Our world is lost in unnecessary fear and hurt. Our systems seem scientifically engineered to make you small, powerless, and always waiting for the next great leader who will fix the problems around us. Worse, we're witnessing neighbor versus neighbor while warfare breaks out around our family tables. But you have access to a spirit, a strength that enlarges and empowers you. Even better, you don't need to wait for the next big movement. You can heal the world. It's time for governance by Grace. Welcome to Gracearchy with Jim Babka. Jim, it's give me the old time religion day. You know what I'm saying? Oh boy. <laughs> no, 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 get this. So I'm 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 concerned because First of all, I love nostalgia, right? I play ragtime piano. Um, we watch Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movies. Uh, it's We're big into the feel good of the imagination and the roaring 20s, you know, the times when things were better. But I've got a concern. <laughs> I've got a concern. Uh, there's a movement right now that seems to want to revert to a time where they think things were better before everything got like bad in the 60s or whatever. It doesn't matter when it happened. But I can see two currents of thought going there, and they're both steeped in religious fundamentalism. I don't get this coming from the monotheistic Jewish people, but I get it coming from uh, fundamentalist Muslims. I get it coming from fundamentalist Christians who just want to go back to a time where they had control, I think is the best way of saying it. And, and this concerns me, man. So let's talk about it. Yeah, let's definitely talk about it. Uh, it's funny, we weren't going to share the link to the article. I, I don't actually want anybody to read what we're about to review. No, please. No. Uh, it's it's really awful. Um, I, a listener sent this to me. And uh, I, under, I understand the nostalgia. Like, I really do. I think there's yeah. a tendency. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people even look at their own childhood and think, gee, that was a pretty wonderful time, right? Right, right. My childhood was definitely a wonderful time. I didn't have to worry about, you know, paying the bills, making sure there's food on the table. Like, I didn't have to do any of that stuff, right? Right, yeah. There's, there's a way in which you can get nostalgic about that. Um, I, I once met a man who uh, lived in the Depression, said it was the best time. Like, he was a kid. He was saying, oh, it was a fantastic time. And everybody could leave their doors open. And I said, well, that's beautiful. But how did your mom and dad feel about that, right? Seriously, right? The bread lines, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like, how were they feeding? And then I, you know, right. so it is, we have to be careful of this kind of nostalgic thinking. And in this particular case that we're dealing with, uh, the article that was submitted to us is actually written by, um, I would assume, a monotheistic Jew, um, who's actually seems, you know, extremely conservative, but he's throwing some red meat out to, obviously, a fundamental fundamentalist uh, Christian conservative audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, let's get into some of what he does. Uh, I, I, there's, there's some hallmarks to this kind of thinking. And if you, hopefully at the end of today's show, you'll, you'll be able to analyze, uh, these kinds of articles when they're written a little bit better. Sure. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, I mean, you really helped me take this apart and understand where he, how to parse it. I mean, I don't want to use that word because it's almost laughable that you have to parse this kind of thinking at all. And uh, yeah, so let, let's go Let's go there because I think it'd be really helpful for listeners. Okay, so uh, first off, um, have you heard of the Gish Gallop? Do you know what a Gish Gallop is? Yeah, I hadn't until you reminded me that's the same thing as a shotgun argument. Right. Like so that means overwhelmed you, by crap, right? Right. You just, just keep shooting stuff down, you know, like bang, 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 bang. And then yeah. you say, well, how are you going to deal with that? 
And there's no way you can, right? Well, which it's, part of it? Which yeah. part of it? You know, we're going to need the next four hours now because you brought up like 80 different things in the in the yeah. in in the previous you know three minutes that you. So that's going a gish on. gallop, right? That's, that's that's a gish gallop. It's just gotcha. you just it's a barrage of arguments. A shotgun argumentation is another term for it, uh, but it it's uh, and it's it's derived from creationist Dwayne Gish. So oh, okay. he is a young Earth creationist, and he when he debated debates and and this is again this is a tactic that's used in in. In this corner of the world, he will make one argument upon another, upon another, upon another, upon another, and then ask you to deal basically with the whole thing. And if you can't refute every single statement that was thrown out there within the next 30 seconds, then clearly you don't have an answer for him. And, and that's largely uh, how this line of work goes. Let me give you some examples. Uh, this this uh, was an article that was written about the uh, the contraceptive agent we uh notoriously just simply call the pill, right? It's just the pill. And it's been around for what the, since the fifties, the sixties it started becoming legal because there were some legal questions about whether or not it can happen. And he basically is saying that the entire decline of Western civilization starts with this moment because now anybody could first, anybody could have any kind of sex that they wanted uh, as often as they wanted, which was a really bad thing. And then from there, all kinds of other things spill out right down to modern day times where we're talking about uh, uh, drag shows for kindergartners. Oh so it's, it's, he brings like Hunter Biden's laptop gets into this thing. It's unrelated to anything. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and he makes some really extraordinary comments in here. He says that uh, uh, it reconfigured the relationship, the pill he's referring to, between men and women since as never before since the Garden of Eden. So the very, very first time in history that anybody had figured out that they could have sex and not risk pregnancy. In fact, they could figure out how to do any of these things because he gets into a whole bunch of different things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Apparently happened after the pill arrived. Like in 1940 and 30 and in, you know, the time of Christ and Buddha and back, like nobody had figured out that they could do these things. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of preposterous. It's it's laughable. Um, he said the pill's advent ignited a tsunami of fornication, which, by the way, it, I, I don't like the article as a whole, but that turn of phrase is just, that's a, that's a, that's a quite a statement. Uh, he accused Hillary uh, Clinton of sneering at motherhood as opposed to, uh, and choosing a career instead. But as I recall, Hillary did have a daughter, right? Yeah. And a daughter who ultimately went to Stanford and is, you know, from all intents and purposes doing quite well. Okay. So the first problem is when you start to see an argument and it lays out like all these things that are designed to be a barrage at you, um, there's no answer to that. And you you not knowing how to answer every single step of that thing does not mean that you're wrong. It's called a gish gallop. It's a purposeful debating tactic that's designed to put uh, anybody that's an opponent to the argument on their heels. Okay. Second, uh, this is an article about the pill. I mean, he did at least have a thesis, although it goes into a whole variety of scattered places. But objects are objects, and they are not moral actors. So you cannot say the pill did X. Or yeah, the car hit somebody. Yes. You know, the gun took a life. Bingo. Bingo. So I'm certain that many of the people who loved and adored this article, who thought the pill actually caused all this problem because he got a lot of compliments in the comment section would believe that guns don't commit crimes and that banning them would do no good 
and they'd happen to be right. Well, guess what? Same principle applies here. So you, if you, if you think that banning the pill, and we're going through something akin to this right now. I don't want to get too far into this because I realize there are a lot of issues to go over it. But there is one aspect where, where there's a little bit of reluctance about AI right now, right? Sure. People are yes, yes. Okay, so it's this is the new thing that's going to cause the destruction of civilization. There's always right. something that's going to bring about the destruction of civilization. We can always global warming. Something. I mean, take right. a pick. Global warming would be another one. Yes, it's the end of days. Like everybody's got these apocalyptic predictions, right? And uh, the difference between a conservative and everybody else is that they also are still lamenting the things that happened in the past, right? The right. hill yeah. is going to be the destruction <laughs> of civilization, right? Right, right. So, uh, but this is, uh, this is another thing to uh, watch out for. So when someone says, well, this object, which is kind of a, a genie that can't be put back in, 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 the, in the jar, when they say this object is responsible for something, I want you, especially if you're conservative, to think of guns. Or if you're talking to a conservative, I want you to raise the issue of guns. Because objects are just objects. They are not moral actors. And if and you know quite well how this works with guns. There's even a name for people who are scared of guns or have fear of inanimate objects called hoplophobia. So if, when hoplophobia. you spot hoplophobia, just simply stop it. The pill's not to blame here for the end of civilization. Well, civilization has ended so many times in you know hit, recorded history that yeah. it seems almost <laughs> ridiculous to keep talking about it. <laughs> I can't believe we're still sitting here. You know, the glass behind us would at least be shattered, right? <laughs> All right, third. Third thing about this. This particular argument that, uh, that because sex was unloosed, because uh, the fear of pregnancy because of certain moral strictures being removed uh, societally or culturally that uh, therefore, you know, we, we all this stuff's going to happen. This is actually rooted. In, you, it's funny when you, at the beginning of the show, you said, well, this is kind of a fundamentalist Christian thing. And this gentleman turns that wrote this turns out to be uh, a very open uh, Jewish person uh, who is, you know, advocating for the homeland of Israel against Palestinians. Most of the time, that's most of what he does. And in this particular case, though, he's off on this other argument about the decline of culture and the destruction, you know, and, and our society eroding. His argument is inherently Thomist, as in Thomas Aquinas, who draw his drew his material from Aristotle. So uh, uh, Aquinas basically helps bring back Aristotle and inject him mainline into. Catholic thought, which was the dominant Western religion at the time, all the entire continent of Europe, uh, which has obviously a very heavy influence on our culture, was Catholic. And he brings these arguments in. Okay. Now you say, Jim, what's the significance of this? Well, here's another principle for you. Is is not ought. There's the, the, there's an is ought problem. Yes. And and what it means essentially is that we can, we can uh, observe something and say, that this thing has the following natural function. And the area where this happens to occur the most is in the area of sex. And in Catholic Thomistic thinking, advocated as recently as John Paul II, there is a theology of the body and the purpose of sexuality is, and this is the primary purpose, it's the secondary purpose, it's the tertiary purpose. It is, it reigns over all purposes. 
And that purpose is procreation. Now, yeah, the problem is you, you, you immediately arrive at, and Joe Rogan was just on with Matt Walsh, you know, two months ago talking about this, is that what do you tell people who can't have kids anymore? Are they supposed to stop, like even a married couple? Should, should two people who are widow and widower be able to marry in their older years? Uh, my wife has a friend who's 69 years old that just got engaged over the weekend. Yep. She's past childbearing years. Should they be chased? Should they not have uh, relations with one another, right? Because they cannot procreate. And they'll start to dissemble when this happens sure. because that's the case of the matter is that sex actually has other values and other purposes. So um, just for clarity here, we've been in this, um, I didn't want to call it prohibition. We've been in this puritanical, well, Aristotelian place for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, thanks to the church using the big C there, uh, it also survives in the Protestant Reformation. There's plenty of Protestants who have this sort of only for procreation idea about sex. Mm -hmm. And why? I mean, here we are in a conservative oh, society. There's a big reason why. There's a big reason why. And, I, right? and by the way, I'm even sympathetic to it. Okay. Because uh, if someone comes and has relations with your wife, that's going to cause strife and and discord in society. Oh, sure, it yeah. may potentially break up the marriage. Yep. And if it breaks up the marriage, that has an effect on the children. And so we understand that this, this marriage structure, this family structure, there's something about it. And, and, and we understand this deep, deep, deep in our being that it's, that it's special and sacrosanct. Right. And I would even argue that uh, there's been a variety of things that have occurred uh, culturally that have not been necessarily good for children that have put them in a bad spot where their oh, parents yeah. have thought more about themselves, frankly, than they've thought about their children. And there's this, this argument, well, children are going to be resilient, whatever. And we see, uh, we see the effects of this. I, I don't yes. want to get deep into this subject today either, but I, I just want to say, I see where you're coming from when you say that sex should be reserved for marriage. Right. And I think that's a legitimate argument to make. I even think it's a legitimate argument for you to say, Bill, my personal values are that sex sure. is primarily for procreation, right? Well, there's a, there's a sacredness that's been lost behind this rule set now. And, and yes. the rule set is what this writer is talking about, not the sacredness of the relationship. Right. So my personal view on this is, my personal view, because is is not an ought. There you go, yes. My personal view is that sex is a, a an ecstatic union that gives us some sense or allows us to kind of touch uh, what God experiences when God's together, because I believe that God is Trinity and that they have this tremendously harmonious relationship where they are there and that there's some state of bliss or, or deepness that comes in the intimate moments between people that can also give them a sense or experience of God. Now, I right, think that's right with you there. Purpose. I agree. Yeah. Okay? And, and I've got to make the, uh, the candid observation that it's a three-way <clears throat> relationship. And then on top of that, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm letting that go by because we're going to get to that some other night. Yeah, uh, I know. Okay. But I, I, uh, I think there's a variety of things that you could say in marriage that it, it, it does. I mean, I think you could say that it helps create a bond between two people. I think you can say that, uh, it, it helps, um, smooth over the rough spots, uh, in a relationship, um, and create connection when, uh, the relationship's under some, some stress, I think there's a number of different good things that happen uh, in that relationship. And I tend to agree that uh, just doing it for fun 
is uh, a bad idea, especially in the long in the long run, especially when children start to get involved. Sure, it can be destructive to society, which is what was really important is really important to all uh, heavily fundamentalist churches. Let's say it right. that way. And so, if this gentleman were arguing that he wanted to say, "Listen, your life will be better, or the life of your children will be better, or the life of your extended family will be better, or the life of your community will be better," like if he wanted to make those kind of of, of arguments and, and try to persuade people. I'm all for it, but that's not what he wants. He wants the lever of government to go back and ban the pill. Like he there wants to go. put those, yes. those genies back in the, in the bottle. Like I'm saying, no, you, you can't do that. And if someone else arrives at a different conclusion for, for this, because it turns out there's a lot of different natural functions for, our, for the, these organs, we can do a lot of different things with them, right? For a yep. lot of different reasons. So, uh, and people experiment to figure this stuff out. Um, I'm a, I'm also a big believer in observing life, like what works and what doesn't, you know, you look back, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm in my mid fifties right now, so I can look back and say that I've seen people do various things and I've seen the consequences of those various behaviors and I've seen other people do other things and I've been able to see the benefits of those behaviors. And when I look at things, I, I know that the people that have the consequences had a heck of a time. I mean, so I had some great parties along the way. I also know that the people who didn't engage in that stuff so much and went a different pattern uh, and had got greater long-term benefit. They didn't suffer long-term consequences the same way. And all of that's a legitimate argument to make. You don't have to agree with me either, right? What we have to start to agree on, though, is that an is is not an ought. Yes. You can't take this rather subjective sub uh, statement where I have to figure out these things out for myself and say, if we only impose these things good and hard on people, then everything would be a whole lot better. We know that's not the case. We know that there were problems in the we're, 1950s. We're watching it happen today. Look at the anti-abortion states and the health issues that are being caused there. It's ridiculous. Women having to carry a dead baby to term because there's no abortion available for her. This kind of stuff is ridiculous. Right. And I, none, of this, none of this should be within the state's purview, right? Correct. I yes. am completely for... Everybody saying, and in fact, I will defend everybody's right to say it. I will especially stand personally on the pro-life side on this and, and encourage that those arguments be made. Like they've got to be heard and they should be able to do what they can to help people not make that choice. We've had an episode about this, but I, I but we can't get to the point where we're going to try to make, make, uh, um, we're going to take nature and say, we've got the, the rule on nature and we can now impose our view because of that. We cannot turn yes. an is into an ought. It's very difficult to have fundamental religious beliefs that are aligned with science. Science is moving so quickly in such remarkable directions that are, uh, that are almost spiritual. I got to say it that way. I was reading a book about how the, the mycology of the world is pretty much uninvestigated. But when you start to look at it, it's an incredible world that is informative of a lot of what happens in higher organisms, right? And, and you can't deny that stuff. They can measure it. You can see it. And it was never contemplated in, in any of the religious teachings, but it's remarkably present with us. And we have to be able to have those conversations, you know, and reconcile yeah, there's them with this, what we believe. There's this situation we get into where we forget the reasons why a certain guideline or rule or taboo even came yes, about. Yes, well said. And then we start to just simply, you know, say that that's the rule. And and I, as yeah. generations, succeeding generations come along and that story gets lost, um, they're going to feel artificially suppressed because nobody's really given them a straight answer. Why is this the rule? Well, it just is. Well, that's not going to freeze it. Well, God said it. Well, that's really not a good reason. 
right? Because what what should be the case is if God said it, he said it for a reason. God is love. What's the loving reason for it? There you and, go. And yeah. so I think that's where you, you know, that's a good place to start. I don't think a lot of people take the time to investigate these questions. And then an article like this comes along and I want to thank the listener at Senate. I really do graciously. Yes. Uh, Cause I, I asked for permission to go and, and, and discuss this. Um, he initially was moved by it and I shared some of my thoughts with him and he said, go ahead and talk about it uh, on your show. I want to help people understand. It's not, there's not some, there's not some garden of Eden moment where Eisenhower was president. Right. And he walked right. through the stillness of the day of the garden and he talked to America about, you know, th th there never was uh, the Billy Joel is actually a lot more right. We didn't start the fire. All this <laughs> yes. stuff has been going on forever. Yes. Um, and it keeps recurring and there's nothing ever wrong with standing up and saying, you know what? I think that this is a problem. We should have a discussion about this. I don't think there's a problem with that either, but name calling, which by the way, this article was also full of name calling. If you start to see somebody using a lot of name calling of people, um, that's a sign that the argument's weak as well. Yeah, so so let me review real quick. I've got four things and we combined two of them here today. Uh, look out for gish gallops or shotgun argumentation. If you see that, you do not have a responsibility to respond to the entire thing. Second, objects are not, uh, are just objects. They're not moral actors. So if, if you believe, if you do not believe that gun control would work uh, and you understand that, you should be able to understand that about anything, including the pill. Um, this argument uh, is basically a Roman Catholic argument that we've gotten from culture that we get from uh, Thomas Aquinas, that we can ignore the is-ought distinction and we can make certain things normative. And in the, in the case of sex, we can say that it's just strictly for procreation. And, and that, that's going to open up a whole bunch of uh, uh, civil war type issues, not going to lead to very much grace. And then that's it. That's the fourth thing was that sex is, is probably for much more than just procreation. There's probably a number of very valuable things uh, that it provides and thank God for it. Um, so, so there you go. You said love and I'd like to make that operational. So I like to see grace as love and operation. How do you deal with this? What's, what's the grace is, what's the graceful thing to do, Jim? I, I, First off, I think one of the things I wanted to do here, and I, you know, this was a private conversation that I've now brought public. I've shared the the value of this publicly. So I'm trying to give people some tools uh, to help analyze what it is that they're looking at and not settle for arguments like this. Um, yeah, we're better than that, right, people? We're better than yeah, this. Yeah. Um, secondly, I really do believe that uh, sex, our sexuality is a gift. Um there's been a lot that's been done to abuse and, and hurt people with this. And there's been some serious misinformation out there about what its value is. Um, but I believe that if it tells you something about the relationship inside of God and maybe even the relationship that, you know, is to come with God in, 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 uh, in heaven, I actually, I, to me, there's, there's, there's some real profound things there. Um, I know that it is a profound connection between my wife and I, Right. And it so I would hope that people would embrace it for, for that value. But I, I, I got to be 100 percent clear. It's not my job to, to run you or own you. That's not my job. Um, you, you may have to figure this out at your own speed. But I'm not going to come in and impose. I don't believe it's right to impose. People have got to figure this all this out for themselves. And the freer they are to do that, uh, the sooner I believe that will happen.